How are we doing? Welcome to the Yochum Brothers podcast. We have a good guest and a um, Chris is a little bit nervous because technically he has all his bosses here in the room. So he's got to be on point today. <laughs> That's a good point, actually. I didn't know all of them. <laughs> all yeah. of them. So, uh, so he's yeah. all prim and proper, making sure everything, all the boxes are ticked. So I put the clean shirt on. It's all good. <laughs> put the clean shirt on. But we have uh, John Grunewald and um, we, uh, we find that talking with people, seeing their stories so important mm. and understanding um, how people got to where they are, uh, understanding that story is a huge part of being able to deal with your own uh, story and your mm. own life, you mm. know, it. I find that listening to other people's stories gives you so much encouragement, and mm. it also gives you so much uh, direction when you're dealing with similar things. It, it feels like um, people just fell into place sometimes when yeah. you hear the yeah. backstory and how they got to where they are. Um, John is a is a uh, part of Rama in the states. Uh, your sector, John, is. Rayma um, is Europe, Africa, and the Middle East, I believe, um, yep. and so that's a that's a quite a large <laughs> area to cover. Um, so yeah, it's it's quite amazing to see um, people like yourselves taking the gospel to those areas, um, and so that's really what we want to talk about today. Oh, great! Yeah, happy to answer anything I can. So um, you've uh, you've taken this. Raymo being the Bible school and also church plants, I believe. So you, you, you are involved in church plants and things like that. How is that, um, especially coming from like the Midwest in the States, how different is that and how much do you change the, your adaptability when you go into places like Europe or Africa or even the, the Middle East? How much do you change of, of what you do? Well, we, yeah, we definitely changed some things a lot just because of mentality and culture. Yep. And that's w- one of the reasons why we build very good teams in all of those places because they're going to be better at it in some places than, than we might be. Now, we have lived in Europe for 27 years, mm-hmm. so we kind of get that part of it a little better than Africa or the Middle East. Yep. Yeah, so that, that part was a little easier for us than the rest, even though that definitely took time yeah. to figure out some of the mindset there too. But, uh, uh, you know, and, and part of it for me that it's, it was interesting to me, even in the early years, you know, we had had, uh, Europe in our heart yep. for many years, started in a prayer meeting with brother Hagen years before that, and just stayed there. And it was only that one word and, and just like, okay, Europe. And about all we could do with it, with that word at the time was pray. Yep. And we helped friends who were going to Europe, go to Europe. I mean, that meant drive them to the airport mow their lawn while they're gone, get their mail, give some money, yep. anything we could do to stay in that direction. Well, when the time finally came and we went over there, um, that was certainly different than taking people to the airport. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, most of those friends were, you know, they would go over for a couple of weeks or a month and come back. But mm. our first trip uh, to Europe was six months before we moved there. Mm. And even even though we'd had Europe, you know, kind of, I always say it's, it was tucked in our heart. Yep. 
because for years it wasn't something we said much about at all. Mm-hmm. Didn't seem like it was something we should talk to other people about, but talk to God. Mm. And slowly that came out a little bit more. Um, but, uh, you know, when the time came, uh, then it was, we took a trip over to teach in some Bible schools in Sweden, Estonia, and then stopped by to visit some friends in Germany. And we were just going to be there for three days or so. And on the way back over the North Atlantic, heading to the States, Michelle and I just both knew that we were, we should move to Germany. Hmm. That and was the first, honestly, reason, that it? was, that was the first clue wow. we had about that. Hmm. Yeah. So for over a decade, we'd been praying about Europe, but never a country. Hmm. That, that, and then, I, so then I like that. The adaptability the came there. People, see you know they get something in the heart and they think they have to do it you, you're saying yeah. what mm-hmm. what you had in your heart was over a decade and people get discontented sometimes because they got europe in their heart but they're still where they were yeah and you you, you get that you know you, you keep praying for it you were active in in that word as in like you were praying you were helping people go over there you were financially supporting but you yourself you you weren't actually there. Mm. It's I, I, I really like that, that the Lord can actually drop something into your heart that doesn't necessarily happen overnight. And sometimes when mm. we don't see that change, like we don't get on a plane yeah. and move to Europe, that we still continue in that and that until something else, until the next step comes to you. So, yeah, I, I really, yeah, that, that's really cool. And, and, it, and it makes you wonder sometimes, right? Yeah. Did yeah. I hear right? <laughs> Did I? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> When that much time goes by, you're like, yeah. well, maybe I misunderstood that. Mm. Yeah. And because we had actually gone to pastor, and I can remember driving to the city where we were going to pastor, and my big question was, God, what does this have to do with Europe? Mm. Yeah. And, you know, I couldn't connect the dots. You know, when you look back, it's so clear that you can't see how you would miss it. But, uh, you know, so that was the big question was, how does this connect? Mm. And, but it was, if we'd have gone 10 years earlier, I'd have ruined it. Mm. Yeah. I wasn't ready, mm. you know, not, not in any way, shape or form to, to go there. Cause you know, I don't know, maybe five, six years ago, I was subbing for a class at Ramey USA mm. and uh, a lady comes up to me after class and she says, well, I really have Europe on my heart too. And I said, how long have you had it in your heart? She said, oh, I mean, for a month. And I said, well, I said, if it's as strong a year from now as it is right now, come and talk to me. Mm-hmm. Never heard from her again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you definitely yeah, Those kind of things have to stay. Yeah. 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 It's funny you're saying about, you know, you question it. It's funny when you get to a place you've been building up to for a long time as well, and then it, the plan changes. That's another mm-hmm. time when you're mm-hmm. sort of going... Hang on, I thought I was going here. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I know you know that I've been through that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's kind of it's roundabout ways. It's like uh, if you ever listen to Mark Hankins, you know, he talks mm. about, uh, you know, sitting down watching somebody play golf. And because of the contour of the green, you never putt straight at it. Mm. If you have, you know, some little hills or something in the way, you can putt almost at a 90 degree angle sometimes to where the hole is. Mm. And that is the best route there. And God does that with us all the time. Mm. Yeah, we think so it's... I want, to, I want to go back to the adaptability thing. Yeah. Part of it for me was um, I spent the first 15 years of my life in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And as a kid growing up, 
Um, I think one out of every two people was a hundred percent German heritage. <laughs> and, uh, I thought everybody had a German last name growing up. <laughs> uh, you know, then of course we moved around some since then, but when we moved to Germany, it didn't feel that strange to me mm. because I'd been around German background people. Now to my wife, mm. she's after we lived there a while, she said, Oh my God, she goes, we moved to a whole country of John's. <laughs> <laughs> And, and that wasn't a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I, I had to repent. Yeah. <laughs> it's my struggle. I'm constantly surrounded by people with German heritage as well. Don't yeah. I, yeah. No matter where yep. I go. We fit in. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. Uh, it's, it was, you know, we have no complaints about any of that time. <laughs> yeah. So now you're, uh, well, at the moment, especially with what's going on in the world, you're based in Tulsa at the moment, but still... Uh, reaching out to those uh, to those places. Is it based in Tulsa or stuck in Tulsa? Stuck in Tulsa, <laughs> based in Tulsa. However you want to put that. <laughs> um, yeah, so. because yeah. Well, we've been you know trying to reapply for a visa to the mm. UK for what a year and a half now. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that's just I we just finally got word that when travel restrictions are lifted, we can reapply. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. So yeah, we've been most of the last year. It's been. In the States, I took one trip to Africa um, between, you know, June of this year and now, mm. last year. But other than that, yeah, it's been the longest time we've ever been in the U.S. in 27 years. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So how do you find that now um, leading these t- these teams and that, that are in that place and not being in that same place to be able to be there with them and, and journey with them? Is there, it's got its own challenges or you've got good teams there? It both, but yeah, um, good teams. And, uh, fortunately we have already a relationship with these people, mm-hmm. you know, so we have spent time together and a lot of emailing through the years. So at least for most of those teams, the relationship is good enough that it functions very well remotely. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are getting to the point now where we're adding on to teams that people that we don't know, mm-hmm. And so that's a little different than trying to deal with it over something like Zoom. It's 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 great, but it's not face to face. And so there's you know you still have to have some face to face time in there. But uh, I'm just glad that we've been doing Zoom type meetings for years. Mm. So when this whole Corona thing hit, it really didn't change anything for us. We just did more of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's funny that they, Zoom, I don't know how many times in the last couple of months, people, oh, how do you like Zoom? How good is that going? I'm like, it's been going for years. It's not, it's not new. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. That's So, yeah, I was glad that wasn't a new thing for us. Mm, yeah. Mm. Well, you had such a big spread. Like you think of the, mm. like that's, you know, a big chunk of the world there, what, what you're leading with Africa. Not exactly yeah. next door. They connect in some ways, but they're not like just around no. the corner. So I guess that was something that you had to do even if you were with one team, all the others were sort of uh, from a distance anyway. Mm. Um, so a yeah. majority of that is being led from a distance. Well, the majority of uh, – well, the majority – I said majority because you said majority. You're leading me. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, when we when we go to places, the most of the things you talk about is leaderships, leadership structures, systems. Um, mm. You know, that's – I suppose you lean on – having to lean on a lot of what you teach to get through ministry now. Mm. 
Yeah, and that was never something that was really planned either. Mm. Um, you know, in the early years, I never really thought that I would spend so much time in this direction. Um, but, you know, was, that's, that goes back to a couple of things. I mean, number one, I didn't ever care if I led anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely more of a team-type player, mm. but I didn't care what role I played on that team. And that was just part of discovering – uh, you know, the calling that you have, and then you have to develop it. Mm. Uh, you can do one without the other, and you don't make a very good leader. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and for me, that was a lot of work and a lot of years and still doing it. Uh, and I found out that even through our whole network and beyond, that probably one of the biggest thing that was lacking was, you know, how to build teams and how to lead, how to communicate more effectively. Mm. Um because without those, we just were stifled all the time on mm. trying to really build the church the way God wants to. Mm. I, so I ended up spending a lot of time doing that. Yeah, and that's one of the things that the church is known to not do. That's, mm. It's sort of one of those areas, ah, that's just the physical, that's how the world deals with things. We mm. just deal with it spiritually, but not understanding yeah. that you've still got those mm. structures that you've got to develop and connect and um, to create that environment for things to succeed. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's a huge deal because people think, you know, sometimes in the church they think that uh, organization is a dirty word. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's not. You know, structure actually is spiritual. We see it all through Scripture if we're looking for it. Mm. Mm -hmm. I missed it for years in some things, but now when I look, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, how did I miss that all this time? Uh, Old Testament and New Testament. It was Mm. full of uh, team building and leading and delegating, uh, all of those kinds of things. Mm. And Mm. uh, but the church has pushed that away, like you said, for they thinking it's not spiritual. But where did the world actually get these principles? Mm. Mm. Got them from the Bible, Mm. Mm. uh, not the other way around. So the world just developed it better than the church did, and that's. That's one of the reasons, you know, sometimes why we suck a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it, it, it does. It's, but it's, it's very interesting because people think that those elements, creating a structure and giving people responsibilities and all those things, mm. well, you know, that will stop the flow of the Holy Spirit and mm. all these ideas rather and misconceptions. Facilitating it. Rather than, but it actually facilitates it. It mm. actually helps it grow. It helps it develop. Um, you, you see it especially when people that have never had a position in a church or any sort of responsibilities or leadership and then they get put in and then they're like, oh, I'm being corrected here and I'm being told, you know, no, we've got to do it this way and this is the direction that we've got from the Lord and this is how we're doing it. And then mm. they're sort of like, oh, oh, okay. But it it when you see a church that gets a hold of that, the – um, speed of their growth and their uh, ability of what they can do and achieve uh, grows so mm. so much uh, so quickly. It yeah. does. It's uh, and if somebody just will will accept what's in the word about some of that stuff, it makes a huge difference. It's mm. you know, I it mine goes way back to when I was first saved. I got saved a week after I graduated from high school at seventeen years old, and. Uh, the first church I went into was a very conservative denominational church. And, you know, it was my first church. I loved all the people there. I mm-hmm. thought, wow, this is awesome. 
But at the same time, I'm thinking, you know, when I gave my life to Christ, I didn't do it for fire insurance. I did yeah. because people told me that Jesus had changed their life and he'd changed mine. Mm-hmm. And so that night when I laid in bed and received Christ, I said, okay, if you're as big as people say you are, I will give you my life. But if you aren't, I said, this is going to be a short experiment. Yeah. <laughs> and and I meant it. Mm. Yeah. And so then when I go into the, the church building then as a new Christian, I'm expecting to see these changed lives. Mm. Yeah. And, and and what I find are people that were living mostly like the world, talking a little different than the world, but really not much transformation. And that bothered me. Mm-hmm. And because uh, I didn't want to have a life like I had been living or I'd come out of. That was the whole point. Mm. Yeah. And so it put me on a quest to really figure out, you know, what is the deal with the church? Why? Why is it so weak looking sometimes and unattractive? Why was there so, so much failure in leadership and so many hurt people leaving churches? Mm. And so, you know, I probably spent the better part of the first 30 years with that in the back of my mind, trying mm. to find answers to that as a Christian mm. and then even as a young leader. So it, I would say it probably took me 30 years before I had what I would call more complete answers to some of that. And then you're like, oh, okay, I get that. Mm. And part of that came in with, you know, just in my reading, you know, you come, you're reading through the Gospels, and I got to, you know, Matthew 16, where, you know, Jesus is walking along with his disciples, and he asked the question, uh, which is a great leadership quality right there. He wasn't afraid to ask questions. And he mm. said, who do people say that I, the son of man am? And so they gave him some answers, right? They said, well, some say you're John the Baptist, Elijah, one of the prophets. And every answer was wrong mm. that they mm-hmm. gave. But he was wanting to find out what the, what the um, crowds were saying. Mm-hmm. And even though they hadn't guessed right, and he didn't, he didn't even correct them. He just said, well, who do you say that I am? Mm. And, of course, Peter speaks up, and he said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, well, blessed are you, Simon of Arjona, flesh and blood, didn't, you didn't get this. You know, you got mm. it from God. You didn't get it from man. You got it from God. It was a revelation. Mm. And, and as, as soon as, as Peter spoke that out and revealed Jesus as the Christ, mm. Jesus revealed or declared what he was going to do for the next 2000 years. And he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Mm-hmm. And when I was reading that one day, many, many years ago, I mean, it was like God put the brakes on and like read that again and again and again and again. And it slowly came to me, not that day, but as I kept reading it, that really to me, and this is personal opinion now mm-hmm. that that is the greatest commission that we have in the, in the new Testament is build the church. Mm. We've always said Matthew 28 was, you know, that um, go into all the world that that's a great commission, but I don't think it's the greatest because going into all the world is really the first step Mm. from the building the church. Mm -hmm. Everything fits under, I will build my church. Everything doesn't fit under go into all the world. Mm Mm-hmm. So it, it kind of it built from there, and I wanted to see, okay, what does it mean to build the church? And 
Uh, you don't build anything without a plan. I know you guys don't, do you? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, at least generally speaking. Yeah. And, and and God doesn't either. And and we shouldn't build local churches without plans and uh, all of those kind of things. But yet we have we're so spiritual sometimes we're just going to flow. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't see that happen working very well for most people. Mm. No. If we will if we will flow inside the structure that God gives us, it works a lot better. So anyhow, on that. Mm-hmm. But it's no, it like, does. it's like even, you know, when you get a structure, you have a backbone. You, mm-hmm. you, we all have a structure, but that, that gives you the ability to flow and the, the lasting power to do the things that you're called to do, to move where he wants you to go without structure. Like you say, things don't last. You don't last by getting a word, Mm. 10 years mm. later down the track without having some sort of structure in there to um, to work that plan out. Mm. See, if we're just hoping that that's still going to be in us in 10 years or, or you know, we, it's just going to happen without having some sort of structure or a platform or some foundation to build upon, we try and do things without foundations. And, you know, we know that even in Scripture he talks about people that, building on the sand, building. And we know Jesus to be our foundation and we know that we can build upon that very revelation of who mm. he is. And like we were just talking about that, he gave them a revelation of who Jesus was and then opened up about building the church. Like he, like he said, for the next 2,000 years, mm. I will build my church. And so, yeah. Well, that's, yeah. Well, go ahead. Now we have that. Say, that's a pretty good long-term plan, 2,000 years. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so there is this this structure and this foundation that can be laid first, and it and it should be laid first. And without it, we become mm. uh, we, we can do anything for a time, we can flow for a time, but there's no lasting value to it without having that structure behind it. Mm. Um, it just well, Jesus goes with even the emotion. had that. It, Jesus even had the structure, mm. like he had the twelve disciples. Mm-hmm. They had jobs. They had, uh, you know, you see that through scripture. Mm. They had uh, positions and responsibilities that they were doing. They were learning. They were there to take the church on. Yeah. But afterwards, but they all still, there was still that structure there. Mm. And that was Jesus. So. Yeah, Jesus had, you know, he was the only one really that was ever called to do something on his own as and as far as the part of going to the cross, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it's, when he started on his earthly assignment, the first thing he did was recruit a team. Mm-hmm. And then he, he, after he recruited, he built them and we might say discipled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and you know, then he led them. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we, we teach too. We want people to, uh, when they're given an area of responsibility and we don't give, we don't delegate till somebody is, you know, 80% capable, mm. right? Mm. We can help fill in the other 20. We want to see them succeed, mm. but we want them to be mostly capable. And then one of the things that, that we want them to do is to recruit, build, uh, and lead a team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause it, it's the model we had mm-hmm. uh, from, from Jesus. So uh, if we can, there's a lot of little points inside of all that, mm. but if we can teach people how to do that, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we're going to do much more than we ever could on our own. Mm. One of mm. the things that we tell teams is, uh, I mean, if you're, let me back up, you know, if you're going to, if you want to be a positional leader, which we've seen a lot of in the church, which is basically you have the, 
you're a leader because of your position. Maybe you're a mm -hmm. pastor or whatever. And you just lead from that and you just tell people what to do, right? It's more mm -hmm. authoritative than anything. If you're a really good person, that might work some. Mm -hmm. But uh, we're really looking to build developmental leaders that have the qualities of a positional leader or relational leader, all those kinds of things. But a developmental leader, our model was Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so he was there not just to do a job, but to, to develop people along the way. So when we build teams, what we expect from them is that they are going to be able to think mm -hmm. and that everything that they learned in the foundation of, of their Christianity, they can put to work, put to use toward whatever assignment they have been given that people say, well, does this leave room to be led by the spirit? Yeah. A lot of room. In fact, we expect mm. you to be led by the Spirit. If you're coming back with ideas that are worse than the ones I'm getting, <laughs> you know, then then what good are you as a team where that, that's mm. concerned, right? Mm. I expect the team, once given direction, to bring back plans, ideas, recommendations on how that can be fulfilled mm -hmm. in the best possible way. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna think all that up. Mm -hmm. That's not my job any longer. So we we train teams and we expect that out of them to use everything they learned in their foundation to grow as leaders. Then mm. it's, you know, I think what happens lots of times, and this was, you know, it's one of those things you wish you'd have seen 20 years ago, mm. but we're, we're very good, I think, at building foundations, but people decided to live there instead of grow mm -hmm. from there. Mm -hmm. We don't live in the foundation, do we? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. You have, to, you have to build on top of it and then you live. Mm -hmm. And too many people are living in the foundation. They've never come out of some of the very elementary things and found out who they were in Christ and mm -hmm. uh, having emotional maturity, mm -hmm. uh, all those kinds of things. So it's, uh, uh, you know, it's a big building process to get to where we're supposed to go. Mm. Mm. And like you're saying with developing leaders and that and let them um, be led by the spirit, if you look at that like at the start, the uh, authoritarian leader, it doesn't give anyone room if you're just if you have to tell them to be led by the spirit or you're relying on you mm. to be led by the mm -hmm. spirit, not enabling them to be led by the spirit, then yeah. you see that that sort of stifles it more when Previously, we would have looked at that as being, okay, the pastor's being led and we'll just follow mm. rather than taking direction from the pastor and building upon that and being led yourself um, because, yeah, it's mm. always a relational with the Lord. It's always to the one. Mm. And so it's not just, uh, you know, we want to develop that in people and not just sort of push that or, or mm. you have to be led on everything, you know, John needs to get it first in order for us to, you know, be led that way. Or, you know, you have these different ideas sometimes. Mm. Um, but the direction, yes, is to come from that leader and, and yeah. flow down. But still it gives you more freedom rather than less. Yeah. Like I was saying before. Well, we, I don't know about you guys because I don't know all of your background, but mm. I certainly worked under leaders even in, in the body of Christ who probably fit into that more positional authoritative mm -hmm. place as a leader. And I don't think they knew 
that we could think. (laughs) (laughs) But I, you know, if you were ever a part of a team in a church, you had ideas. Mm, Yeah. And it's not that a hundred percent of anybody's ideas are awesome and great and workable, but a lot are. Mm, Yeah. And, but but nobody was ever asking us for those. And if Mm. you did give an opinion and it went contrary to theirs, then you were rebellious. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's, we just do not function that way. And that's not our culture. Mm. Uh, we don't, we don't, we want people to have the freedom to express right inside mm. the bounds of the word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's safe Harbor to give ideas. And, you know, as a leader, you still have to approve the ideas, mm. but we expect people to come up with ideas, think them through, propose it. And then we can go, yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe we have to, fix something here or there because of budget or whatever. But, mm. um, we a hundred percent expect people to grow in that. Mm. Well, a lot I, of the, I, I, I don't have time to do all the thinking. Yeah. Well, that's it. well, I said a lot of the team around you, you want them to be, well, I know, mm. you know, maybe you, John, a lot of your team might be smarter than you, you know, so. What are you trying to say, Chris? <laughs> no, wow, man. did you see that? I picked up on that. <laughs> it's, um, that's the sort of team you want. Right. Like, it makes you look good, you know, so. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, if you if you take Chris's wife Amelia for instance, yeah, <laughs> if she is way smarter than me in a lot of things, and and, and, <laughs> and that benefits me greatly, yeah, and mm. it benefits our teams. Mm-hmm. You know, when when she first started, we called her my personal assistant, but I had to change that to executive assistant because she was way better than personal. So. Mm. Uh, yeah, she's an amazing person with a huge amount of uh, knowledge that is is greatly benefited us. Mm-hmm. Well, that happened we, uh, here uh, in the church here in Geelong because when Chris came across, oh, yeah, it's just transition phase, but I don't know how we would have gone as well through the whole shutdown if mm-hmm. Chris wasn't here because Chris pushed us in a lot of ways with that no, 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 we're, if you're going to do this online thing, you're going to need this and you're going to need mm-hmm. this. And it's like, do we really need a switcher? Do we really need a new <laughs> camera? Do You know, because you're thinking, oh, we're going to pay for this and then is it going to last long? And, mm-hmm. you know, it would it all just be over. But that push that someone else saying, no, 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 this is where we need to get to. Mm-hmm. This is sort of level that we've got to do it, that you need people to push you in that. Because when you're all the respond, when you're the one responsible for it, you're thinking of just the how do you pay for it, how do you do this, how do you do that, mm. instead of uh, you know having people around you help push you as well. Mm. But what you're saying there is is important, and it tells something, it tells me something about you that you're not insecure. Because if you're an insecure mm. leader, and people below you even are pushing a little bit. Mm-hmm. That bothers you. you yeah. That that's usually the end of somebody. Uh, and we we want people to push because mm-hmm. sometimes you know a younger person comes along and says something, and you go, "Oh man, you're right." <laughs> yeah, I wasn't even I wasn't even thinking about that. Yeah. And uh, you, and you know your mind just starts spinning of all the work that that's going to create. But at the same mm. time, you know it's right, mm. and yep. so I think every good leader has to have people like that around them. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, not like you guys know Chris better than I do, even. But you know, one of one of the things I've noticed about him over the years I've known him is he has one of these rare qualities 
that he can read people in a situation very quickly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I love it when people have that. And I've, I've really only known a few people through the years that had it like that. And cause they'll say something after meeting somebody for 10 minutes and I've known the person a year and I go, huh, all right. <laughs> That's I never verbalized that. But it was, that was back here somewhere mm. and they met him in 10 minutes and verbalized. Them. I'm thinking, how do you do that? Mm. So it's great to have people around like that, that, that have those abilities. And, uh, you know, it's the old things, the body working together, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're more complete. Mm -hmm. So nothing to be afraid of. We, we celebrate it. Mm. Mm. Well, the the biggest thing with pushing, because I I do push you guys a bit and and, (laughs) like it does happen, but it's understanding (laughs) the vision from your leadership. Uh, I know for Mm -hmm. me working in a position underneath leaders, if I can understand the direction they need to go Mm. and then they're, they're, your leaders are willing to let you push in that direction mm. if, if you're staying in line with the vision. You know, it, it, it's amazing what you can accomplish. Because there's, there's an element of that. You're not pushing cross-culture because you can have that. You, um, and, and people sometimes understand this. We, we, had, we had tried to head this direction for a while now to go online. There were some hurdles and things like that. So you knew that was a direction that we were heading. Mm. And so... It, mm if it was something that we weren't heading there and someone's trying to push there, right. it becomes <laughs> annoying yeah. or hard or yeah. you don't embrace it then yeah. as much. Um, yeah. And cause, cause you can have both of that. And if you just feel like that's not the direction we're supposed to go, but because there is this, um, you know, we talk about certain things like, man, we, we want to get online somehow. We want to do this. We want to do podcast mm. things. We started this a long time ago. And so then when you push with, the direction, even though the the leader may not be, you know, because mm. because it, when it's on you, you got to think of the whole thing. You got to think of the budget. You got to think of yeah. the. Mm-hmm. So you're not thinking of sometimes sometimes because the budget is there. Chris likes to push the budget. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, that's, that's what it's there saw, for, isn't it? I saw yeah. John grin then. Yeah. That was like, yeah. So I think he pushes on the whole front. And, it's like, and so you. you you do look at the best deal. You do look at uh, the best way to do things. You do mm. become creative in that area, but you're not pushing across the culture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're not yeah. pushing against what the direction of the way you're going. You're pushing the direction of you You know that this is where you want to go. If, you, mm. if you're working for a leader and you can understand where they want to go and you push that direction, you mm. – you're helping them. You're helping the whole team. You're helping if you're pushing against mm. the tide or, or against where well, you they want to go. Question the, the, you know the leadership you're putting yourself under. If you think you need to go across ways. across ways, <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah, you know, you you can really you know butt heads. Things become confusing. Things mm. become um, you know you, you don't. It's just not a not a good fit sometimes mm. when yeah. you when you're always across. But um, you know when you can actually and help and 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 lift them up and and you know, they might not know the full technical side and you assist them with that and certain things like we've Mm. seen here. And so that is, you know, following that same path Mm. as a team going there together. Whereas Mm. rather than just all going separate ways and individuals and doing things like that where you have to tell someone, I need Mm -hmm. this now. Well, you, you might know what you need. Yeah. Let's be honest, you know. You might know where you're meant to go. So yeah. that's a great discussion to have. Mm. And, you know, I think sometimes, you know, that's really not a verbalized conversation mm-hmm. and that's a good one to have with teams, 
pastors, leaders mm. uh, in general, because sometimes they don't understand that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we assume that if the leader is following a godly direction, that there should be some kind of flow there for that. Mm-hmm. And mm. so like what you're saying is if we can, if, if anybody can connect with that and push a little bit, I mean, if you've ever been in a canoe or a raft, even mm-hmm. if you're going with the current, you got to work with it mm-hmm. uh, to keep you going so you're not running into something. Mm. And so you want people on there that aren't just laying back in the raft doing nothing and you're doing all the work. Yeah. Uh, and I like people that'll push better than I like to have to pull a whole group. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a great example that, that, you know, when you, cause you're not pushing against, it sounds like you're pushing someone to do something that they don't yeah. want to do. Mm-hmm. But when you're in the canoe and you're going the same way, you, by you pushing is, is helping. It's straightening. Yeah. And it's well, yeah. Direction. It's just, you're working together with them. You, you, mm. you're taking some of that load. And when they, when you have multiple people, um, doing the work, it becomes easier. Mm. And, yeah. and what you do, you can go further. Yeah, that's a great example. The other, the other part of that one is, and here's something that Michelle and I have talked about recently, is that there's a lot of people that are my age, and I'm 63 now, but there's a lot of people my age that are basically, they're, they're not going to say they're done, but they are not pushing for anything new. Mm. Mm-hmm. And if, if you work under that, and they used to have a vision, but that vision is just kind of plateaued. Mm. That gets difficult also. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, we've had this conversation with some of our leaders that you guys, it's time to invite in some younger people to be a part of your leadership teams because you're not pushing anymore. And mm. we need some younger guys in that will push. Mm-hmm. And of course, everybody sits back for a minute and goes, Oh, and they go, yeah, you're right. We do need that. Mm. And that's that's one of the reasons why you can't have a group of people my age doing everything. Mm. Uh, but, you know, Brother Hagen didn't even start Rhema until he was 58. Wow. Huh. Yeah, think, think how exciting that must have sounded. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, again, he didn't do it on his own. Mm. And, and God's not expecting us to do any of it on our own either. So, uh I think that it's it's a good thing to mix in younger, more aggressive leaders and not frustrate them. Mm-hmm. Help mm-hmm. them grow. You know, you know the whole the other part of a team is one of the things Jesus showed us is that there has to be a succession plan, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to live forever, and somebody has to keep doing the work. Mm-hmm. So if, if I don't allow people under me to ever grow and become who I am, uh, then when I'm done, it's, it's a one and done. Right. Mm, mm-hmm. And and I don't, I don't want to be a one and done. Mm. I, I think that we should have built enough of a platform so that it can continue. Now, when Jesus, you know, ascended to heaven, I, I think everybody was scratching their head going, uh, <laughs> the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, that guy, he just left. <laughs> and do we really trust these other guys yet? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially if you go through their but, credentials. <laughs> but, but look at how amazing they stepped up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think other people will do the same, given the chance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, there's a lot to all that. Yeah. There is a, um, there's a certain uh, DNA that Raymer carries with itself. And 
you've been sort of tasked with taking that to multiple different mm. cultures. How much of how much of Rama do do you have to adapt because it was obviously created in in the states, which is one culture, um, and now you're you're adapting it to like even even when you take the gospel there, how, how do you honor that culture yet preach the gospel? Mm-hmm. Good question, and I kind of know the answer to that. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> Let me, let me start out here that, you know, whatever we're in, whatever organization, the culture is coming from somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Even if we do nothing, there's a culture. Yeah. It's just probably not a good one. <laughs> and in, in, in our circles, I mean, number one, we gather our culture from the word of God mm-hmm. and we try and interpret that the best way possible and follow along with brother Hagen's teachings, which, are easy to do that way because we believe in it. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, we get it from the organization we're a part of, which is Rama. Mm. There's certain things that are just expected and, you know, they're not an issue. We love it. So mm. we do that, but it helps form who we are. And then beyond that, you know, it comes down to who's leading it. Mm-hmm. And there are certain things that become a part of the culture, like where we are just because that's the way I want it done. Mm-hmm. So we we get some different flavors around the world because of that. When Australia was functioning years ago, like in Australia and and then South Africa, we saw a much more evangelistic flavor in DNA to Rama than we did in any other part of the world. Mm. And we we tried to bring that part to the rest of it, and I don't know how successful we've ever been at that. We felt it was a flavor that needed to be there, but it, it's, it was always such a teaching culture that it was hard to get people out of that and be evangelistic also. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, I say, you know, Australia and South Africa succeeded with that better than I think the rest of the world did. Mm. Now, um, I think that's still something we have to encourage in our churches. And I mean, when it comes to Bible school, except for like, you know, where you guys do the explosion days or something, mm. um, it is teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the beginning stage of, of the church where salvation is concerned. So, you know, we're carrying um, a particular part of that around the world in, this, in the schools. But then when it comes to the churches, if we don't get that into them, uh, they're not going to grow the way they should. Mm-hmm. So that that's just generally on culture. Um, I think, um, I've, I've said this to forever, I think, but when, when God sends you somewhere, it's for at least one of two reasons, one to put something into you or mm-hmm. two to get something out of you that he put into you. Mm-hmm. And he's big enough to do both at the same time. Mm-hmm. So when, when we moved to Germany in 1993, um, we certainly had to make some adjustments, you know, just in how we lived and, but I also felt that God had put enough into us that we didn't, this wasn't going to be a 180 degree turn to fit into culture mm-hmm. that, that we should have been somewhat prepared. Now, fortunately for people like Michelle and I we're we're kind of low key people. So we're not making big glaring mistakes that everybody can see. Yeah. So that's a bonus. Um, the one thing we did try and fit in with was, um, 
our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And we had to learn all these unwritten rules. And fortunately, we had a very good neighbor to help us. Um, that just after we had moved, when we first moved to Germany, we lived in a little village outside of Heidelberg, very pretty area. And so, the, the you know, we had a, a small yard and I'm out mowing the yard one day and the neighbor sticks his head over the fence and he goes, hey, would you like to use my lawnmower? I said, no, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> and he did that a couple of times, you know, over those first few weeks. And then I finally found out that there was quiet time between 12 and 2. <laughs> and so his name was Ralph, and he stuck his head over the fence one day. I said, hey, Ralph, let me ask you a question. Um, when you asked me if I could use your, if I needed to use your mower, is it because yours is electric and doesn't make noise? And I was mowing between 12 and 2, and he said, yeah. I said, why didn't you just tell me? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, is that, a, is that a law or just one of those unwritten rules? He goes, that's an unwritten rule. Mm. I said, well, could you help me learn those mm. so yeah. that I, I fit in? Mm-hmm. I don't, so I'm not, not the, everybody in the neighborhood goes, oh, that's Americans. Is, is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they might have said that anyhow. I don't know. <laughs> uh, anyhow, so he helped me with a lot of those. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we, we lived there about five years and moved up to Bonn. And we lived in that same house in Bonn for 17 years. And uh, when I told the neighbor across the street that we were going to be moving, he said that he said the German word. He goes, "Oh, Schade," which kind of means bummer. <laughs> and and I said, oh, "You'll find another good neighbor." And he said, "We'll never find as good a neighbor as you guys are." Mm-hmm. And I I took that as a real compliment mm-hmm. that you know that we were not just a neighbor, but that we were a good neighbor. And that's a hard thing to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's neighborhoods there are not like in the U.S. or I can't speak for Australia too much, but you can live in a neighborhood in Germany and not know your neighbor after 20 years. Mm-hmm. They're, they're very much to themselves. And um, we helped our neighbors as much as we could and lived within the rules most of the time. And uh, so I think that part was beneficial to us that we didn't stick out like a sore thumb, mm-hmm. but we also weren't embarrassed to say why we were there. Mm-hmm. That, that we knew that, uh, we were there on an assignment from God. Mm. We had something to do. And most people respected that, mm. even if we did it a little different than they were used to. Yeah. You were saying before about culture when uh, with Australia and um, uh, what's it called? South Africa bringing back culture mm-hmm. to Rhema. Um, how, how do you think the best way about going about that was bringing culture back to an established ministry? Obviously, that's a challenge. Mm. That is a challenge. And I don't know as if we figured that one out exactly. Mm. Because, you know, it has to be something that's going to be embraced and then practiced. Mm-hmm. And it's not that, um, that Tulsa is an evangelistic pastor. Never, Pastor Hagen never does a service without having an altar call. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's very much in that mindset all the time. And he functioned as an evangelist for years. Mm-hmm. So, but I don't know as if it, it's, that's where as an organization, I think, you know, you, you want to look out at all of your parts and go, what can we bring back to make each area better? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a hard thing to do when you're a worldwide organization sometimes, and you're not always meeting together. Mm. Um, 
but I would say that if we're going to be successful at it, we have to get together and talk about it and find out, Hey, what are some of your best practices? Now we took when, when our son Spencer was in Brisbane uh, and he was funny because he said when they, when they were going to do the explosion days at Rama there, he's he, inside himself. He said, this will never work. People won't talk to you, but he was mm-hmm. thinking German. Mm-hmm. And so they go out on the streets and he said, Australians will stop and talk to you for an hour, dad. <laughs> he goes, it's amazing. They'll sit down and talk and, and you can talk and lead them to Christ. Mm-hmm. And I said, wow. Uh, that would be hard to do where, where he grew up. Mm-hmm. Get somebody to stop and talk or even acknowledge you. Because sometimes you'll try and say something and people will just go, do I know you? Mm. No, they walk off. Yeah. <laughs> so it's uh, the, the culture there was certainly more open and adaptable to mm-hmm. be even evangelistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it helps when I you have people helped. like Karen teaching you as well. She <laughs> yeah. does push in a certain direction. So Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. And so, but we took some of that and tried to bring that into back into some of the campuses, even in Europe mm-hmm. and eh, partially successful with that. Yeah. Um, but it's something we'd still like to see more of uh, around the world is that that would be even a stronger element. Mm-hmm. Just like Sarah, our daughter-in-law, she's Australian and you know, that's it, it, for some reason, you know, family, culture, school, that's that's part of her DNA. And she mm-hmm. doesn't like to go somewhere. If she gets a chance to talk to somebody, she will. Mm-hmm. And if she can lead them to Christ, she will. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It, it's certainly a part of her. Mm-hmm. And it's a lovely part of her, too. Mm-hmm. And, and people that are around her like that. Mm-hmm. And she's had people ask her, could you teach me how to do that? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, people have to want to, I guess, also. But, mm. yeah, it'd be great if uh, there's some best practices that we should uh, certainly uh, co-mingle with a little bit more. Mm. Yeah. Well, I know with Sarah, she's definitely, um, it's in her. It's just not It's not something she's, like, you know, deliberately learned. Mm. Um, she can be right. difficult when you're with her because she'll just talk to anyone. <laughs> like, yeah. anyone. So, definitely not yeah. what I do naturally. Mm. No, but if we were as sweet and cute as her, it'd make it easier. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so, do you find it um, like when you went to to Europe, especially the church over there looks very different, uh, and there's almost Rama type churches are non-established or at least haven't been established for many years. Is that easier to start a whole new thing, or like you say, where the where a, a culture is close but like like Raymer is with it, trying to bring the evangelism side of it back. It's so close to that that it's a, probably more of a slighter change. Is it easy to start a whole new thing over there or to try and do something that's been cemented for so long um, and that's just the way we've always done it? Mm. You know, that to try and do a yeah. slight change. Uh, so uh, tweak, tweak rather tweaking than, rather than, than, rather than, than creating yeah. something whole new because the Euro- yeah. European church looks very different. Than, um, than what Reimer is. So you're bringing yeah. something new. Yeah, definitely something new. And it's, uh, I probably didn't use this term in the early years. I like it. I like the term though. And is that I think every culture you go into and sometimes even as seasons change through the years, mm-hmm. like in my lifetime, you have to retool. Mm-hmm. Cause where are people really coming from? Every 
generation, every age group seems to be coming from a different place. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you got to kind of try and figure that out mm-hmm. a little bit. And that's a tough one in another culture, mm-hmm. trying to figure that out. Where are they coming from? Because it seems to me that in most nations, the church culture follows the national political culture and not the other way around. Mm-hmm. I wish it was the other way around. You know, in, uh, in, in Europe, because there's so much social democracy, that's the way the church functions too. And people expect the church to do a lot for them. And I told them up front, I'm not doing everything for you. I'm not going to make, make places for you to have friends. You have a dinner table, invite somebody over. Go out to coffee. So I was going a little bit cross-culture there, but I was trying to build some independency in people to look to God and not to the government for help. Mm-hmm. And so our job there wasn't to change the culture, but I felt we needed to change some church culture, even though God can work in any culture. Mm-hmm. So because I felt that we had something in particular to do, so we had to raise up a different breed of people. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I think there's been success there with that. Um, it people told us, you know, as a as a foreigner, we'd never be able to build a church. Well, um, we pastored for almost 13 years and had a church of almost 300 people mm. uh, before we turned it over to a German. Mm. And that was while we were doing Bible school and traveling. Mm. So it is doable, even though people say that you can't because there are some mm. people that want something different. Well, you look at, um, obviously, you put some time into the person in your hands, like, well, Alex in Germany, uh, you know, I've spent some time with him. Um, he's definitely not, uh, you wouldn't put him in a pigeonhole as a standard German when you're talking to him. Mm. Um, I think he, right. he probably can switch back to that if he wanted to, but um, he definitely had things put in him to be able to communicate well with you and mm. bring about change in that mm. culture as well. Yeah, he did, and that's a great example of... of uh, you know, the Jehovah Jireh, God seeing your need ahead of time yeah. and having the answer there waiting for you. His mother um, uh, was visiting. They, his parents live about four hours away. But his, his parents were visiting one time, and his mother came up to me after church. And this is before we'd had all the transition to where he was pastoring. He was, just, he was working there by then. Oh, wait, just to catch these and, guys up, Alex is the guy that took over. Mm-hmm. The church, yeah, yeah. got it from right. context. Yeah, context probably yeah. good to say that. <laughs> yeah, um, he had been a student, and one day uh, I was sitting at the uh, kitchen table, and Michelle was doing something at the counter, and she said, "You know, if you don't grab Alex, somebody will." Yeah, <laughs> and I sat there and went, "Yeah, you're right." And normally I would have waited, but that pushed me a little bit there. And so I called him up and I asked him to come over and uh, we sat there and I, and I I just pretty much got to it. I said, Alex, the day is coming when I'm going to have to travel more and I need somebody that can pastor the church as good or better than I can. And I think that person is you. And I said, but the deal is, is you can only tell your wife. And if you tell anybody else and I ever hear about it, I'll call you a liar from the platform (laughs) because that would be disruptive for the church. And he never did Mm -hmm. tell anybody besides Rebecca. Mm. And so we went through almost a five year process because he was 24 years old, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, 
he started working in the office and he'd never done that kind of work. I made him do finances. He hated it, but I made him do it anyhow. And cause if he was going to pastor, he needed to do how needed to know how to do some of that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he was just great. His English is almost perfect Yeah, and w- without an accent. So anyhow, his, that all happens. And his mom comes up during that time. And uh, she says, you know, ever since Alex was three years old, he loved America and he liked English. And she goes, I never understood why. Because she said, nobody spoke English around where we lived. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I can tell you why. And she goes, why? I said, because I needed him. Mm-hmm. And I needed him to be able to understand me. And he does. Yeah, not he just the totally English. The actual, he, he understands mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. body language and, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Uh, you know, our Western culture, weird yeah. things. He gets it. So yeah. Yeah, he, he's kind of, he has a WWJD bracelet, you know, which means what would John do? Yeah. <laughs> and, and he, he can ask that question to himself before making a decision. Yeah. And he knows what I would do because the last year before we turned it over to him, I said, okay, Alex, from this point forward, you make all the decisions. You tell me what it is. And I'll tell you if I have any objections. So he did that for a year and the church never knew it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I never had to go against him once in that year. Mm -hmm. So by the end of that year, I said, you guys, let's go ahead and make this official and turn it over. And then we're going to be on the road more. So I, you know, and I don't think since 2011, I don't think I've spoken at the church four times. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I haven't been there very much. So um, yeah, God brings people, he prepares people and he brings them your way. So mm-hmm. that, that helped with the whole adapting to the culture too, is having mm-hmm. people on the other side that understood who we were mm-hmm. and not mm-hmm. fighting it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going against it. You can, um, it's, it's a tricky thing. Yeah. It is. It is. Mm-hmm. yeah. You can watch, um, he, they live stream their services, don't they? Germany. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely, yeah. if you're listening and you want to check that out, it's a good sermon to watch. Um, do they podcast, do you know? Alex is starting some podcasts now, I think. I don't know if they turn that service into one or not because yeah. they've been on – there's a TV station in Germany that's had him on for a couple of years now. Mm. And uh, so he's out there that way. But I think YouTube mm. is where I usually watch. Like they do some other stuff too. So good, Alex good is an excellent mm. teacher and he's funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. English speaking. It does both. Yeah, it's it's all translated. Does both. Ah, mm. Cool. Yeah. Yep. He's completely bilingual. Wow. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. You wouldn't, yeah. yeah. As an almost no accent. Yeah. Uh, yep. Or an American, which language. is rare. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> maybe, it's maybe a little American. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he would have an American. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Right. But that that's hard to do as well when you like what you've done when you build up a church like that and then handing it over to someone. Mm. Like a lot of people struggle to do that because it's like church too, not a failing one. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) normally, yeah, I'm out. (laughs) This is not going well. Who Who can can I I give this to? Hospital hospital pass. Yeah, just handball it. But the um, but you know, developing something and then getting it to a good position, then handing Mm. that across. A lot of people uh, don't want to do that because it's like their baby and they've built it. And, uh, you know, that, oh, well, it's going good, so why, why don't I just stay in it, you know? There is a risk, mm. right, mm. anytime you do that. But 
And you said a word there that's kind of important that we have worked to keep out of the vocabulary of our teams and for a, a reason I'll tell you, but the word is baby. Mm-hmm. Um, we call, you know, whether it's a project or even, even the church in this case, um, I just, I always stayed away from that word baby mm-hmm. because you can't kill a baby, but you can kill a project. Mm-hmm. And even though people invest a lot of time into something, sometimes a program or a project needs to be killed. Mm-hmm. It's, it's served its purpose. And, and people will go, no, but that's my baby. And we'll go, no, we don't have babies. We have, we have babies. We don't have babies like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's a, it's a mindset so that we know that we can end something, mm-hmm. but in, you know, we didn't want to end the church. So yeah, there's always a risk turning it over. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other side of it is, are you just going to stay there forever because it's working and then you're not even in the right place anymore? Yeah. Mm. And we, we couldn't do that. God, one of the things God put into us, and I realize this fairly young, is I like to start things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's easy for me. Where some people aren't starters, they're, they're, you have to plug them into a system. Mm-hmm. And they work very well, but they can't develop the systems or start them, you know, so I, I can do those things. And when we started that church, I, I asked God, I said, God, if it's okay with you, would you mind if I stayed and built it for a while? Mm-hmm. And I don't know whether he honored that, or that was just how long I was supposed to do that one. Mm. But uh, anyhow, we stayed there long enough to build it, which I appreciated because very often when I start something, as soon as it's ready to go, I'm ready to move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. And I recognize that about myself. And I don't, I don't think I ever leave too early on things because there's a lot of follow through to make sure that something that you started is, gets established mm-hmm. and succeeds. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that about myself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you always want to find the people, where do they fit? Are they starters? Are they plug in people? Are they good at keeping systems going or whatever it is? And because uh, if, if you get those people in the wrong place, if you get a non-starter in a starting position, yeah, <laughs> frustrations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And we've made those mistakes, you know, and that's how we discovered some of it. Mm. Oh. I, I want to talk to you about, uh, if I can, about you talked about um, killing projects. And that's something that mm. a lot of, especially in church, people struggle with uh, what, do you, they, what do you want to kill yeah <laughs> <laughs> i've got a volunteer yeah. no i'm just kidding um, <laughs> getting <rid of> this. <laughs> and so it, you know people really struggle we have a saying in australia flogging a dead horse mm. you know like it, it's yeah. just trying to yeah. keep something going that is not dead and not being afraid to actually um stop that and put your energy into something else. And we, we see uh, maybe larger churches or different things that they're doing, all of these things, and why aren't we? And then we try and start all these things rather than concentrating on what we're mm-hmm. supposed to right now. And you mentioned about how people put a lot of time and effort into certain projects and then mm-hmm. when they're not working or they're not, we, we then are too scared or too afraid that we got it wrong yeah. or to admit mm-hmm. that we got it wrong that um, – then when it comes time, we just try and keep it alive and try and keep something that's just mm. 
or it was Dead. successful for a time and that it was for right, that time, time yeah. but now it's changing and transitioning yeah. to something else and it's like, oh, but it was successful, mm. you know, mm-hmm. but how, how can we get rid of it? How, how do you go about that when it's especially someone else's project and it's time to wrap mm-hmm. it up? I think the first part is teaching people that we don't have babies, we have projects yeah. and the projects can serve a purpose and die. Mm. Or we end. It doesn't have to. Dead mm. sometimes sounds like the wrong word. Like it was a slow death. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and you know, of course, like you said, we have those too, and we don't want to have those. Mm. You know, and you always have to weigh it. You know, you look at it. Go, okay, is this something God wants us to do, and we're just not putting the effort into it, or the mm. right people into it, mm-hmm. or has it served its purpose and its time, and it needs to just be done, and we put our energies elsewhere? Mm. So, uh, you might be familiar with. Um, uh, when Walt Disney in the early years, when they were actually doing their storyboards on boards and they'd put them on easels to show what their uh, animation was going to be. Mm. Um, he, he found out, you know, early on that, uh, you know, they would develop these ideas. They'd put their stamp of approval on it and they'd say, let's go with it. But he knew that 30% in or 50% or even 70% of the way into it, somebody's going to have a better idea. Mm-hmm. And they, they, I don't know if they must have made up the term, but they called it plussing, P-L-U-S-S-I-N-G. Mm-hmm. And so they, they made that a part of their culture that any project could be plussed. Mm-hmm. And, and you couldn't cry, or let me put it this way, you couldn't whinge about it mm-hmm. uh, if, that, if you're cool. part of it got set aside because it got plussed. Mm-hmm. He said in the early years, people would just, oh, but I put all the, I put months into that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is a better idea. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I use that example with our teams also just to, you know, is to prepare them that you guys, this sounds like a good idea today, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. somebody may come up with a better idea as we're moving along. We may switch and we may have put a lot of work into it. Mm-hmm. I've, I've made proposals for pastor Hagen that, I mean, I spend months on off and on handed it to him. And he glanced at him and said, no, <laughs> <laughs> and there's no recourse on that. Yeah, that yeah. door is shut at least yeah. for a while. Yeah. And you know what you do, you wear your big boy pants and you just go back and you just keep working. Mm-hmm. And you know, we don't have any place for hurt feelings. Uh, you know, that's one of the things we have to get people over, you know, on our teams and in churches mm-hmm. is growing up mm-hmm. so that we have emotional intelligence, uh, because it's, you can do anything with a group of emotionally intelligent people, uh, even if they aren't, don't have the highest IQ mm-hmm. because they're going to work together and not, not fight each other. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's all, I think there's a bunch of elements there. So that when the time comes that people don't feel like you just disrespected them for something they put a whole bunch of time into. Mm. It's mm. part of who mm-hmm. we are. Mm. Things are going to end. Mm. And uh, it's going to happen to everybody. So, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. okay. Mm. I think there's always even... something more to do. If you did a good job with it and it's time to end it, mm. I guarantee there's something more for you to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that even the time and the development on a project can sometimes change it's what it it was intended for at the start it can develop Mm -hmm. it can you know 
I know we don't use this word as Christians, but evolve into something different. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, it can become something, like you say, we add to it. Someone, you don't want it to be one person's idea mm, that right. no one else can add to it or build to it because they had the original idea, so they mm. got dibs mm-hmm. on what happens or how it plays yeah. out. Yep. And so there's someone that can come up with an idea to do this, but then the practicality of that may be someone else's. Mm-hmm. maybe uh, yeah. someone else that, that can add to it. But if you've got someone that can't accept change to their project, then it's really hard to add certain things or change uh-huh. it. And then sometimes if it doesn't head that to head the way that they thought it was going to head or become what they thought it was going to become, then it's wrong mm. yeah. or yeah. it shouldn't yeah. be. Well, I, I've got to say working with John for a while now, I know mm. that, with projects, like I think the difference being with your leader, with if there's no surprises from your leader, I would expect, like if John said to me, we're not doing that anymore, that's actually not a surprise to me, like in the sense of, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's not out of the blue all of a sudden my project's dead. It's 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 always assessed. It's always re-looked at. It's always mm-hmm. talked about. It's So I think, you know, what you were saying before, mm-hmm. you know, you're preparing the people underneath you that this is not something that's precious to you. It's something we're heading this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, if it falls out of that line, we'll have to readdress what we're doing. So it's not a surprise. Mm-hmm. I think if you're not surprised, you're not, you're not going to be hurt. Are you? Like mm-hmm. it's not. Yeah. Right. I think Chris said an important word there and using the word assessed and mm-hmm. whether we assess or evaluate, mm-hmm. everything has to have regular assessment and evaluation from both sides and together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I expect team members to be reporting about whatever it is they're working on. And if, if they're saying it's great, 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 great. And then I, I look at it and go, oh, that has been great for a while. <laughs> so why are you saying it's great? Mm-hmm. I'd really like to hear where you're coming up with that. And if you're just protecting or covering their butt, well, then, then we have to have a talk about how that works too. Mm-hmm. So Chris is right. I mean, with, with regular assessments and evaluations, nothing should be a big surprise. Yeah. I mean, we'll probably have said, hey, if, if we don't hit some markers or if something doesn't turn around, we're going to look at this in three months or six months, we're going to have to make a decision about this. Mm-hmm. And then nobody's really surprised that much. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can't think of hardly anybody being surprised about something we stopped doing. Uh, yeah, like I can think of anybody. Mm. Yeah, well, I think uh, you know if you fall outside of that and you do shock someone, they're either not paying attention or you're not doing your job right as a leader. Mm. Mm. Do you think that's? I, I, go ahead. Sorry. Mm. Um, do you think that stems out of uh, spending time with your team and developing them? Yeah, it certainly would, and you know that's part of the drawback from not being able to see people. Mm-hmm. there's a real advantage to working together sometimes in the same office for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, find out the quirks and maybe some of the backside of the personality that you don't see in meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it is, I think it's very advantageous. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I, I just wanted to say one of the things you said there though, that, you know, like uh, usually an idea is never just one person's idea. Mm-hmm. And they may have been the one that said, Hey, why don't we, Mm -hmm. and there's maybe it's the main crux of it, but, um, we want everything to be teamwork. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So where it gets so blended after a while that nobody could take individual credit for it. Mm -hmm. And you you guys are familiar with Patrick Lencioni, right? 
Mm-hmm. He he wrote a book called Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Yeah. yeah. I'll share the book later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, yeah, if not, you guys, these are awesome books. Yeah. They're, mm-hmm. They were he, – he is a Christian, but he, he wrote it for business. Mm-hmm. But if you're a Christian, you'll think you're reading a Christian book almost. Mm-hmm. And so he wrote Five Dysfunctions of a Team, and um, he wrote – almost all of his books in fable form, meaning, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's almost like a novel. There's characters in there and it's yep. really easy reading. Mm-hmm. And uh, so in the first book, the five dysfunctions of a team, he also has a workbook with it that he wrote some additional stuff in his, the last book he wrote, well, his the last book is called the motive, but the second to the last is called the ideal team player. And really there's this many books in between there, but these two go together. Mm-hmm. And, so, he, but in the first book he wrote on five dysfunctions of a team, he wrote this in his workbook. I'll read it. He says, teamwork is almost always lacking within organizations that fail and often present in those that succeed. We live in a high tech world, but teamwork remains the one sustainable competitive advantage that has been largely untapped. So he said, why don't we hear more about it then? Because teamwork is hard to measure the results and difficult to achieve, but the power of teamwork cannot be underestimated for an organization and the individual. I love what he said about that. Mm. And so it is hard to measure sometimes, but uh, anybody who's ever worked on a good team knows the benefits of doing it. And uh, it's just so much easier to function and come up with ideas and fulfill them whatever we have to do as a team. So yeah, it's uh, ideas, whatever they, we want ideas coming from the team up to us, not from an individual coming up. Mm-hmm. To us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm. Yeah. It so comes all on the, all on the leader to um, do every facet of it. It's almost impossible. Mm-hmm. It's almost a, uh, yeah. a, an area where you can, you, you just, guess because you're not in it sometimes Mm -hmm. so i think that it's relying on them to or at least creating that that avenue for them to speak that way it's how you find out it's how you Mm. establish what is happening i I really like that when you talked about you know you're asking them to evaluate the project and if you know you get that Mm. if they're just trying to protect it or if they're just trying to you know this is it's good because of this and you're not seeing that well that's when mm. you can get an evaluation from the outside in and from the inside out and it's really the only way you can properly evaluate something um to determine if it, if you continue it mm. and yeah. I, I was always a big one something that i had to learn to, or to develop that if i didn't like something i would just ghost it i would just mm. like not <laughs> you know don't put any effort or time or yeah. you know you just sort of ghost that whole hopefully it goes away hopefully <laughs> yeah. hoping it goes away rather than actually yeah. being honest with ourselves and evaluating you know mm. it, like like you say ask those honest questions is mm. is this from god but i'm just not putting the time or the effort in it do i have the wrong people there rather mm. than evaluating yeah. and being honest with that and like you're saying being matured and to be able to see that we can just do some adjustments here or completely change where where we're headed uh in that sense of the project Mm. rather than just hoping it goes away. And I think that being honest yeah. and evaluating is, is the best, um, but it's got to come from them as well as from yourself, you know, as well mm. as from the leader. 
And there's no reason for a team member not to be honest about their evaluation because Mm -hmm. the rest of us are there to help it succeed. Mm -hmm. Not to criticize if you're not doing well, Mm -hmm. but if Mm -hmm. if say, hey, you know what, you guys, this isn't going the way I planned. Could Mm -hmm. we all take a look at it and see if we could figure this out? Yeah. And everybody's Mm -hmm. like, yeah. Yeah. And and that's part of my job is to see the team succeed, not fail. Mm-hmm. I, I, I certainly don't get any satisfaction out of that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So yeah, there's the, all the incentive is to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know for Amelia, she's taken on some big projects, um, you know, throughout Europe and, and Africa, like uh, lately. And um, those be, the biggest thing she'll say when it gets tough is it's the team that makes it easier. Uh, she says, mm-hmm. we're in a team that I bring up, we're, we're struggling with this and it, you know, well, and the team's working about how we make it easier. Um, so knowing your team is not going to crucify you when you bring up an issue is a big, a big, yeah. <laughs> big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I know for her, she says it all the time. You know, my team wants me um, to succeed, mm. um, and that makes yeah. it all the difference. I think leaders yeah. would struggle with that, especially leaders of teams, if they bring up that we're struggling with a certain area. Mm. Then it what they well what you can project on that is that you seem weak or don't know what you're doing. But if we're honest mm. with ourselves, who does? Um, and so your job as a leader isn't to know what to do on everything. Otherwise, you just do it. If you're why, already why new, do you why do you need a team? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but to be honest is something that, yeah, even as the leader that you're not just demanding honesty from everyone else, but you can also be honest with yourself and say, hey, this is what's hard. This is what we... Uh, what are you you as the leader struggle with even if it's communication or things like that and i think if you're honest with them then they can help you and enable avenues of communication and, and stuff like that so mm. i think that's a big part of teamwork is not just being that that leader that you've got to be the strong person you know mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, that's a very big part of it which is mm. maybe one of the most difficult parts for because people want to project strength all the time mm-hmm. and okay, you can't be a weak individual all the time and be a good leader, <laughs> mm. but it's, it's not necessary to be a, a fake leader. Mm-hmm. And if, if you're the kind of leader, like, you know, I, years ago, because this, this is what we were modeled, you know, in an organizational chart, you're up here at the top and then you got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 15 people below there that are directly reporting to you. And all they do is say, pastor, 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 <laughs> pastor, yeah. uh, that's when you lay awake at night trying to figure things out. And that's when people burn out. Mm-hmm. We call that an organizational chart for burnout. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we switched all that over to where we had teams under us. And uh, fortunately I had somebody that told me and said, John, quit doing all the thinking. Mm-hmm. I said, okay. He said, trust the people. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, I will. And I had to learn to do that. And, Really, it wasn't as big of a deal as I thought. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm a, I was, I don't know as if I can say I am as much and I'm a perfectionist by personality type. Mm-hmm. And usually that's very hard for perfectionists to let go of anything. Mm-hmm. It comes with uh, your last name, doesn't do it? it? What? That comes with your last name, being a perfectionist. Is that? Yes, it does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's very much in the DNA of that culture. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, it, it, it serves well for the most part. Mm. Um, but when you're, when you're building people and building teams, it's going to be messy and there's mistakes and mm-hmm. there's financial errors by people. And you can't let the 
the perfectionism come out and ruin people. Because yeah. mm-hmm. it will. It'll drive them to places they can't go. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It's just like sometimes, okay, this isn't very pretty, but I think this is as good as we're going to get on this one. And the extra effort to get it any better isn't really worth it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though we have a culture of excellence, right now that's as excellent as it's going to get and still keep everybody without either me getting mad or them feeling like they're a failure. Mm-hmm. And again, in the end, you surround yourself with people that are smarter and better than you. And all of a sudden they're doing it better than you would have done. It, and you're going, wow, I really didn't have anything to worry about in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, would, so, what it, would you give advice to like to a lot of people listening we have a lot of people that are in ministry that listen, but also a lot of people that just go to church, but they want to be involved. Mm. What would you give advice wise? Okay. They want to be effective in their church. They want to help out. They want to, you know, be a part of that church developing, but they're not necessarily in leadership or like you say, that yeah. authoritarian mm. position. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I would say this is what I tell students all the time is that when we were, young Christians, if you can keep a passion for building the church, and that's a very general mm-hmm. statement. Yeah. But in most people, that's going to mean the local church they are plugged into. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you can keep a passion for that and don't care about what you do, forget mm-hmm. about titles, mm-hmm. but just learn mm-hmm. and be involved in every area of the church that you can, or you're needed. Mm-hmm. It's, I call it family business. And, you know, when, when our kids were younger, our trash had to be out on the curb, you know, by six o'clock on Wednesday morning. So we did it Tuesday night mm-hmm. and I would yell up the stairs, Hey, kids collect the trash and bring it down. If I heard things like, yeah, dad, we really don't feel led to do the trash <laughs> or dad. We just don't really sense any anointing when we do the trash <laughs> or we'll pray about it. You know, those would all have been wrong answers. Mm. And I would have said, well, I'll be upstairs to help you feel led. <laughs> and because there are some things that need zero prayer. Mm. They just need help. Yeah. And, you know, young churches and young Christians in churches, they just need to go to leadership and say, what needs to be done? Mm-hmm. And if you can, if you can get better with it instead of bitter... God will keep moving you and t- mm. while you're growing and get you to exactly where you need to be without you even trying. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's, it's what Michelle and I did. And part of it was easy for us because we didn't ever care if we were a leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, that just wasn't something that was important to us. So we just did whatever. And I mean, between the two of us, I don't think there's an area we didn't work inside the church. And you can see how beneficial that became for us years later. Mm. Uh, so I would do that as a leader. Now, I mean, and then if you have somebody that's, if you've got a businessman that comes into your church, and even if he's more newly saved, he's got some skills. You don't really need him cleaning the toilets, even if he's willing. Mm. He might have some skills that you need to put to use somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I, that's a hard one. But you you want to be sensitive to it because the businessman you'll run off if you don't get him involved in something that's challenging. Mm-hmm. And 
So, you know, it's, it's a little bit individualistic on that as a mm. leader. I'd say, be honest with yourself and say, is there something here that I need to learn? I had to do that. Mm. You know, many years ago, I sat there in a, in a training or a seminar one time and I thought, Oh my God, I can't believe I didn't know this 25 years ago. Where was somebody to tell me this? And then you think, Oh, I had my Bible all that time. I could have seen it too. So I'm not mad at anybody except myself. And it, but I had to change my learning curve and say, I'm going to spend some years here developing who I am as a leader so that I can lead people better. Mm-hmm. I, you got to get rid of insecurities and fear and everything else. And it's not going to be perfect. It's going to be messy because working with people is, mm-hmm. and you just keep going. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I think there's, a lot to learn from the old way that we did things to the way we do them now. It's a completely different culture mm-hmm. that we live and work in than what we used to. And we had to change that. Uh, but we did it together as a team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went back to our team at the time and said, okay, you guys, I think that we need to change a lot of what we're doing. Here's what I think it is. And you're more than welcome to come along if you want to, if you don't just say so. But mm-hmm. fortunately everybody did. Mm-hmm. And they're still with us all these years later. Mm. So it's, there's a lot to relearn. Mm. And it's easier for me working with younger leaders than older leaders. Yeah. Mm. Don't have to untrain Um, things. Yeah. And and they can see the benefit of some of this quickly Mm. and realize that even if it takes five years to learn this, I'm young enough that that's not going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're my age and you want to, and you got to change your whole system, eh, <laughs> they don't get very excited about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, some important question um, that I usually try to bring up most most times. Um, you've been fishing lately. <laughs> it's been a couple of weeks, but uh, I have a friend that actually um, bought some land and has a. Uh, private lake small one mm. so I, I, I was i was out there and it's not fished very much and just went out there for a couple hours and caught bass crappie sunfish um one other one too whatever it was but yeah so i was planning on going out this week but the way it rained every day this week so next week i'm going to go out again to the same place i might go out there but i'm going to go out to you know mike and kelly they're um, they're helping at a campground out on Keystone Lake outside of Tulsa, and we're going to go out fishing there one morning. Yeah. That's all right. You got to find all the yeah. spots. It, it's not <laughs> like deep sea fishing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we get spoiled a little here with the saltwater fishing here. Yeah, I mean, you know, most of freshwater fishing is pretty small fish, unless you get up in the big lakes and get um, northern or musky, you know, then you can get up to three or four feet long, but. Uh, otherwise, you know, you're happy when you're catching fish that are two, three, four, five pounds. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I could fish a lot more often than I get to. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's where I'm at as well. Yeah, Chris, Chris is getting that way. Yeah, but, um, yeah, it's been hard lately because they actually banned us from fishing for a while. So, you know, I, I had an opportunity yeah. to whinge well, about it. That's one thing they didn't shut down here. Really? Oh, really? They, can, they, they said fishing was essential. So whoever the... <laughs> 
person was there, they were right. <laughs> Genius. Yeah, I think when I first met you, that was one of the first things we talked about, fishing in Germany and the, the hassles of it. So mm. the licensing and laws and... Uh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was just... It wasn't hardly worth it to me, so I never <laughs> did that there. But, yeah. you know, here it's it's so easy that it's ridiculous. Yep. Jump in the car and go fishing. That's how it should be. But um, look, yep. we just wanted to thank you for your time today. It's mm. been... Um, mm. I know I get to spend a bit of time with you, but these guys... First mm. time, I, I think they've enjoyed it. Oh, absolutely, it, yeah. it's very good. Oh yeah, I'd love, so much. love to do it again if you ever want to. I'd yeah, you know, look forward to vis- visiting visiting you guys someday. Mm. Well, I think in the yeah. long term, we want to you know having guests in person is definitely a, <laughs> a better thing. <laughs> yeah, it works though, and uh, I don't know. You know, I've only been to Australia twice, and I never got outside the Brisbane area, but mm-hmm. uh, I really liked it yeah. and. It to me it was a little bit of a mix between America and Europe, mm-hmm. um, and it still has its own flavor. Mm. Melbourne so more so it, probably it, you would say. Yeah, Melbourne is very more, more Europe. Europe. Yeah, this this yeah. Day and is okay. a lot more Europe than American, but mm. it's still as you said, it's a good blend. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and it's it's so it's familiar enough feeling, but still unique enough. And one of the things that I mean, Americans love Australians. Mm. for the most part, as far as I know. And part of it is because uh, you guys still have what we would call that pioneer spirit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you got this huge open area, the outback and everything else that it's like, you still have wild territory. Mm. And uh, so many parts of the world don't have that anymore. You guys do. And so it, it kind of does something in you. Mm-hmm. It makes you a different person. And I, so it's, it's something I really enjoy. It's definitely an hour's drive from anywhere. It can be nowhere. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, which which sounds perfect. To oh me. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's good. No, very good. Yeah. Thank yeah. you very much. We really appreciate it. Learned so much uh, mm. in this, and I'm sure everyone listening did as well. Yeah. Mm. Um, your uh, your marketing things. We'll, put, we'll add the link. Um, add some links. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Grunwald, whatever it is. Uh, mm. What is it? Grunwald Ministries. Well, we have Grunwald.org. That's, That's the right. easy one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if or Rayma.eu. Yeah. So yeah. You, you, we'll, we'll add the, like we'll add the links add the in links the podcast. And, um, definitely yeah. worth having a bit of a read through mm. the um, Grunwald Ministry page. There's mm. some good yeah. stuff on there. So cool. if you're interested Beautiful. in um, the topic, the leadership I, topic we done today, it was good. I can finish. You know this too. We are mm. in the process of building another website called uh, the Church Building System. Mm, cool. uh, I have that. I have that domain. It's a dot com, and we're in the process of building that there, where we can put some videos and uh, downloadable uh, things for people to learn how to work with teams and be better leaders. And so that's something that we hope to have out by maybe September. Well, at least it'll be live. Yep. Mm, yep. And that's sort of aimed at the local church. Yep. Yeah, that'd be awesome. awesome. When you've got that available, definitely contact us, and we'll have you on the podcast again. Mm, We'd love to go over that, yeah. talk through it all. Yeah, because I think yeah, it, we'll it's one that. of those things that, it, again, a lot of people they get into a church because they've uh, got a gift of preaching and mm. they want to help and they want to do things, but mm. ha- yep. not having the experience in like if they didn't have a business background mm. or they didn't have any of that, they, it's sort of unknown territory to them. Mm. Very much so. That's yeah. a very big deal. Mm-hmm. Part yeah. two, huh? Part two. Yep, part two. Yeah. Definitely. Cool. All part right. Two, yeah. Great. Hey, bless you guys. Have an extremely prosperous day there, huh? Yeah. Thank Will you. Do. Thank, Thank you, you very much.
All right. You get in the box. Thank you. <laughs> the wrong button. Yeah, I was supposed to play the video that goes like an outro music, and I've um, I'm on the wrong screen. <laughs> one second. Everyone. You had one job in front of all your bosses. I know. I just, I just <laughs> failed. Wait, let's try again. There we go. See you all next time. Thank you very much for listening. Please uh, subscribe to the podcast. Check us out on YouTube. We'll catch you guys later.